Welcome to All Things Influence. We are breaking down the top stories in social media, influencer marketing, and the broader creator economy. Basically, all the goods you need for how to influence consumers in this digital age. My name's Keith Bendis. I am one leg of this hosting tripod. Alongside me, I have the grill master, Drew McGowan. Drew, how you doing? How do you feel about the Drew, the grill master label? I'm totally fine with that. Thank you. All right. I'm taking that as consent to keep using it. And to my other side, I've got Mr. Hot Takes, <laughs> Matt Fantasia. Uh, Matt, will this podcast ever have as many subscribers as your Hot Takes newsletter? Uh, you know what? Good Lord willing. We'll see. <laughs> I think we've got, what, six years of doing this if we catch up. So I think that's yeah. doable. A little bit of a head start, but we'll get there. There you go. I didn't even tell you one of our co-founders actually sent a note on your last hot takes to my entire partnerships team saying she's an avid subscriber. Everyone should should subscribe <laughs> to this pie to this. And she didn't even know we were working on this or that we even know each other. So you're already famous within the walls of Linkia. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Speaking of which, this episode is brought to you by Linkia. Linkia is the calm in the chaos that is influencer marketing, helping Large enterprise brands execute 360 influencer activations. They also happen to employ this guy, so you know they make fantastic decisions all around. Check them out at linkia.com and thank you for the support, Linkia. All right, we have a lot to cover today. Even in the last 48 hours, there was interesting news across the social platforms. But before we get into some of that, let's start with social commerce. Because if you look at the last month, we saw TikTok launching shops, which is basically their Instagram checkout competitor. You saw YouTube introducing affiliate programs and tagging in in their in their shorts. You've seen uh, Snapchat with Amazon partnerships for AR filters. In Amazon, within the last forty eight hours, launched Inspire, which we could talk about if we want to. But basically, they're TikTok competitors. So the social wars for commerce are clearly on. I want to start with Matt. How are you making sense of this? And if you're talking to, to friends who are marketers, what are you giving them advice on how to even think about investing in social commerce? Yeah, I mean, it is literally changing every day. The Amazon announcement literally just came across all the publications yesterday, I think. Um, so <laughs> making sense of it and how to invest are two different things. I think given these, just the amount of, influence all of these platforms have and the amount of uh, time consumers are spending on them, you have to pay attention. I mean, that's, I think that's just where you have to start. Pay attention, understand the capabilities, what can it do, what can't it do? And then from there, figure out how you can at least start testing. I mean, I think you have to at least get an idea of, does this work? Does this not? The, the interesting situation you have in the United States right now is that the behavior that would indicate that social commerce is exploding is all there. The time spent is enormous across all social platforms. TikTok eclipsed Google for, for visits last year. So that just speaks how big one is, but they're all huge. The amount of influence that people are, you know, digitally influenced sales, you see rising year on year, it feels like. So people are getting recommendations from what they're getting exposed to on social media and the capabilities have been built. That's the other piece of the kind of recipe that hasn't always been there, uh, but has XUS, specifically China, 
But a lot of the platforms, to your point, are building the capabilities to foster social commerce. So like the ability to actually do it exists now. What's missing still is the actual behavior from consumers. So all of this put together, we're still not seeing huge scale is I think the big watch out here. And what I try to delineate between is how much of it is influencing commerce versus actually the transactions of commerce happening on these platforms. We're not quite there yet, but every other condition is. So it's one of those things I wouldn't sleep on it because it's it, it could spark. That's I've been sort of waiting for it for three years now, but it, it's the conditions are there. It's just not happening yet. Yeah, and I, I mean, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I just want to chime in. I think, Mac, that's a it's a really good perspective. I think one of the things you said early in that um, was was about testing. And that's exactly what I would recommend is just get out there and depending on the brand, obviously, but get out there and test, learn, pivot, get smarter, because what you can do, you know, in the next month or so around the holidays, you could learn a lot from and then depending on your business and yep. You know, you might be a company that, you know, Super Bowl is a big deal. You have some data that you can then put into it to make that Super Bowl time period maybe a little bit more effective for you. So I think that is key. And I've always been a big proponent of like, just try it, especially yeah. like if if you're not going to be spending a ton of money on it, just get out there and try it and see if it works. Maybe put some more money into it if it's working and try to at least scale from your side. And then we'll see where it goes. I think, you know, what Matt was saying too is from a social commerce standpoint, I, I think, you know, the the user, you know, the 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 person that's actually on any of these social platforms, it's all about, for me at least, you know, as we're coming into the holiday season here, is at least, you know, from my perspective, is people are getting inspired. And then if we can make that transaction pretty simple, I think this will work. But I think a lot of us are using any of the social channels as search engines, as Matt brought up earlier. But, and I think it's a great way to be inspired to look for gifts for, for friends, family. But then you potentially then go off that channel right. to go buy. So I think it's this, we're all learning. It's going to constantly evolve. But I think it's, you know, to go back, I think test the hell out of it as much as you can now and see if it's right for you. Yeah, Matt, Matt mentioned the indicators, so I just want to throw out a few numbers. So it's expected over $50 billion this year of social commerce, over half of the U.S. adult population shopping on social media. By 2025, there's predictions of over $100 billion of social commerce, with over 114 million users spending an average of $1,000 on social. So to your point, the indicators are absolutely there. And for most marketers, it is this question of, is it conversion on platform or is it conversion off platform, but it's inspiration for that buy? What would you say, Matt, if you had to bet on some horses here, because all of the platforms are, are investing pretty heavily, who are you betting is going to start winning these, these commerce wars? I think the, in, well, the ones that make it seamless, and I, I can go, I'll give a cop out answer. It, it's a little bit of it depends, but I think it depends on category too. What I really like about what Snap's been doing is leveraging who they are. They're using their AR technology for try-on. That is so ingrained to who Snap is. It makes total sense. Like if you want to see what a costume, Halloween costume looks like, they enabled that. You could buy in platform. It was pretty straightforward. 
nice application of technology actually solves a consumer problem. You're not going into a dressing room at spirit Halloween or whatever, but you can see how do I look in, you know, whatever outfit you're thinking about. They're doing try on with Amazon. Now I think it's for glasses, sunglasses right now, but it's going to expand right. to other categories. Seamless in-app makes a ton of sense. So I think for those types of purchases where like experience matters and, you know, try on or, maybe like seeing th how things look in your house with that type of AR technology, they are really well positioned to grow there. The other one to watch out for is TikTok. And, you know, the TikTok made me buy it is very buzzy. People like to talk about that. It's very real. The thing that's interesting isn't the, I guess, social aspect of it, but it's the distribution part of it. And if they actually go through with building distribution centers in the US, I think that's a really really interesting uh thought could they create an end-to-end e-commerce experience that it's not just that moment but tiktok actually is you know the packaging the showing the vans driving around your neighborhood it's interesting i mean that is really a kind of a left turn from everyone else but distribution matters that's you know this can all fall apart and we've seen the stats on people not buying things on social media because of bad return experiences and unclear payment. But if you're engaging with somebody directly, it cleans up a lot of that. Yeah, the returns is is clearly one of the top things. We all have our experience with our Amazons and our Walmarts, our cards are loaded, our two-day shipping with Prime. You know, we have that locked down. And so a lot of the transaction happens there. If they can create great experiences, then you'll stay on the platform. And price also yeah. dictates some of this, right? Because sure. Instagram has benefited greatly from unintentional purchases where you see something, you're inspired. The price point isn't so high that you want to jump and do some research on right. Google or a lot of comparison on Amazon. And you're okay just quickly checking out. Now, the return has to be a great experience. The actual service has to be a great experience but it's a low enough price point. I do think where TikTok has the edge is the search. If if we hang up and I wanna search for a new podcast microphone, my experience might be I'm going to TikTok first because I do wanna hear from the experts, not the people in the background just observing and, and typing, the people who are doing it, who are taking action, who know the space, who have tried the products, and I'm gonna get their top recommendations. Now I might pop over to Google, do a quick search, look at the publications, top tens, and then I will go to Amazon price, compare ratings and reviews, compare. But if all of that is starting to be built into TikTok and I trust the checkout experience, then I am likely to go finish the entire transaction there. So my thought is I probably would bet on Instagram in the next two to four years, continuing to dominate social commerce because of the unplanned. But I think as TikTok figures out how to not just be inspiration and actually keep the purchase and make it a good experience, I think they have to be one of the favorites. Drew, do you have any thoughts? If you said test and if it's small spend, if it's small spend, where would you put the spend right now? What platform? Well, I just, I, one of the things I want to follow up is, is uh, playing off of what you just said. And I think the reality is this is all well and good and you can bet on these platforms, but especially when you're buying something physical that you need to have sent to your house, it's going to be that experience that's going to seal the deal or have you never buy from that platform again? And so I think that's what's key is companies like Amazon obviously have a huge head start in doing that, right? We're all kind of at the beck and call of Amazon constantly ordering stuff from there. And then it's, you know, to, to your point, Keith, when you talked about the example of, of looking for a, uh, a podcasting microphone, you said you went to like three different places before you were going to buy. So 
that's the reality. You know, if it's one thing, if it's a $10 item you're buying, maybe you don't do that much research, but if you're buying something that's in the hundreds or thousands, I think buying from TikTok or even Instagram, I'm not sure I would be doing that. So it's going to depend on obviously the brand and the product or the service that, that they're offering. Uh, you know, I'm not ready to bet on honestly, any of these until they figure out the, the customer service experience, if you will, that they can get it to you in a timely fashion. I mean, I just know, you know, last Christmas, I bought some things for my kids that I had seen on Instagram that promptly arrived in February. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I think twice every time I look at something on Instagram, I go try to find it someplace else. Um, and so I think that's, they, there's a lot to be figured out. Can the, can the technology get us there? Maybe, but it's going to be the customer service, um, you know, that we expect is going to be the hard part. Yeah, there's a yep. crazy stat. I don't I don't remember the exact one. I so we're riffing here, but there's a crazy high percentage of people that wouldn't buy again on uh social media because of the experience. And it's a quick way to lose all your customers. I mean, it doesn't take much. You get something in February, you're kind of done. I mean, you just said it. Why would you give it another shot? You're like, this is this is kind of a clown show when you have something so reliable. It's not even just Amazon anymore. Target's reliable, Walmart's reliable. I mean, all the big guys have gotten pretty good at this at this point to the point where it's not really competitive advantage anymore, two-day shipping and all that. It's like, I'm I'm trusting the big guys, but you screw it up, you're kind of done. So Agreed. it makes a lot of sense. Yep, which which does beg the question of, of how do you then measure effectively? Because if in my example, I was most influenced by the TikTok influencer or creator, yet the transaction's happening on Amazon, you know, who's really responsible and how as marketers are we going to attribute the, the highest value of the interaction? So that's a big question mark. You know, Drew mentioned Amazon, obviously such a leg up in terms of that's where you go to to buy. Your, your intent is so high. Um, and Pinterest to me has been a bit of a disappointment in this era. I think intent five years ago was so high when you went on Pinterest of being there because you needed to buy stuff and they haven't been able to capitalize on commerce. Um, but what are your thoughts on those two, Matt, especially the news in the last 48 hours with Inspire? Is this another copycat feature that Amazon will probably sunset in a year because they couldn't make it work? Or is this exactly what the platform needed? I mean, yes, it's, it's I think it's both. It's objectively a copycat. I think they they would probably tell you that in an honest moment. But I, I guess the interesting, so we'll start with Amazon. Then I have some thoughts on Pinterest with Amazon. It is, I don't, I don't know about you. Have you ever gone to Amazon and just browsed? It is a horrible experience. It is clearly, you know, not built for that. It's built for spear phishing. Uh, I know I need this exact thing. You can find it. It shows up at your door in two days. Awesome. Doing, you know, Christmas shopping or something like that. Oh, I'm looking for a gift for a friend or my wife. I don't go there. It really nope. is a poor experience. Or even Prime Day, if you don't have an objective in mind, think you know their biggest shopping holidays. Outside of the flash deals they run, it's a little bit overwhelming. You're scrolling through, you know, fifty-five gallon drums of mayonnaise and kitty litter and all kinds of crazy things. Not a great experience. So that's where they they usually lose out as discovery. What I thought they got right around their Prime Day Prime Days this year was how they actually tapped into creators and live shopping. And they drove a pretty significant amount of traffic back to Amazon through the review content and the how-to content. They actually did a really nice job. 
most of that was off platform though so that's what i think they have to figure out a way to make that a good experience make you want to buy but you also see a lot of you know commerce platforms that do enable that discovery and sites that allow you to you know engage a little bit more it's really interesting i think they have to figure this out if they're going to you know continue to dominate the way they have so I think it's the right move for them. I don't know if it's going to work though. If I had to place a bet today, I would say no, because it's hard to change behaviors, just generally speaking, but they're smart and they have a ton of money. So can they figure it out? Absolutely. Pinterest is interesting though. I think um, I'll hit this fast and let (laughs) you guys talk. Pinterest has been one I've been so impressed with in the last three years, you know, going back to early 2020, I felt like they were making all the right moves to your point, Keith, like, investing in commerce, all the different tools, all, you know, the integrations with Shopify and like, you name it, they basically rolled it out, shoppable pins, all sorts of stuff. And it just hasn't pulled through yet. I would asterisk them as a yet though, because I just feel like they've done so much right strategically that I'm not willing to call it a disappointment. I'm disappointed that it hasn't taken off the way I think it should have because I just think they've done really nice strategic moves as an organization, but no, the, the behavior, I don't think they might, you know, I don't have the data and I don't know the data in front of me. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like it's grown the way of anyone's really maybe expected. And it just, it, it talk about a platform that is so prime to buy, right. To buy right on there. That's what people, whether they're, you know, doing recipes and it's you know a, a, a you know something with instacart or 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 you know a, a different brand or it's you know you're planning your kid's birthday party everything that's on those i mean it's so simple right it makes too much sense so somebody should be figuring that out on their side yeah it's one of those where the intent to shop was so high and everyone thought this is going to be such an easy transition for this platform to just skyrocket commerce and it didn't happen to the extent that we thought and i honestly believe it is a case study in the importance of influencers and creators to the whole commerce ecosystem because that's where they got it wrong originally and all the other platforms drove all the creators and the influencers and they were the ones to drive commerce and then ben a couple years ago wisely started to invest significantly in creator tools which was definitely the right thing but to your point, Matt, it just seemed, again, not disappointing in the strategy because it was the right strategy, but that it just hasn't come through to fruition. So we'll yeah. see how that plays out. They did shutter their rewards program, the creator rewards program a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so that's not the headline they probably want to make, given they're playing a little bit behind with creators. Um, but they are still investing in the space. And, and we know commerce is a big bet for the new CEO over there. So I think it will only continue. What about just, we don't have to spend too much time on affiliate, but we did bring it up. What are your thoughts, Drew, on affiliate programs? Because there's only a small percentage of creators who are true market makers that could sell a ton. And they're more incentivized to do their own brands the way you see the Mr. Beasts of the world building billion dollar brands. Then there's a really long tail of great creators who get paid fixed brand partnerships fees. Why would they want to transition that to an affiliate model? But again, YouTube just introduced a whole affiliate program while Instagram shuttered theirs. So what are your thoughts on general affiliates? Uh, so, you know, coming from a, the brand side perspective, it's um, it's challenging. Uh, it's it's I've tried to set it up at two different companies and it's just you realize you need it, almost an entire department to just set that up. And I think a lot of uh, people don't seem to understand how challenging it is 
to get things moving in the right direction. I think the, the other thing with affiliate, which I think is really interesting, a lot of my background is in public relations. And as uh, media has changed, certainly since the pandemic, but even before that, where all the magazines have gone out of business and you know they've either been able to keep a, a digital presence. But when I used to pitch stories about you know a brand or a product or a service, it was called earned media because you built a relationship, you pitched it. Now, nine out of 10 or maybe even 9.5 out of 10, there's a pay for play there. And if you don't have an affiliate program within your company, they're less likely to even write about you. And so it's a really interesting challenge that we have is like, you know, the PR kind of model that we had for a hundred years kind of doesn't exist anymore. And so for me, the, the way I think about PR now is working with creators and working with influencers because media, some members of the media are influential, obviously, but a lot of the influencers that we work with at different companies I've been at, those are the people who can actually drive you know, whatever you're trying to do, whether it's awareness or you're launching a new product or conversion and sales. I find if you can find that right influencer to go out to their audience and 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 they, you know, they have to do a good job of being an, an authentic fan of that product or that brand. If you can get those to work, I feel like affiliate or, you know, going into simpler things like promo codes that that influencers can use. I feel like that works a lot better, um, at least from my experience. Yep. Matt, how much of this is self-serving for the platform? So if you think about ad revenue is certainly not drying up. The ad revenue is immense and massive, but the platforms are struggling. And you look at a, a ByteDance TikTok parent company in China, the app is called Doyen. And I read the other day that close to 50% of their revenue as a company is through commerce. A lot of these platforms need to get off the drug that is advertising revenue, which is so fascinating because Netflix, the exact opposite. It's all going to be subscriptions. We never need ad revenue. Now they're doing ad revenue. The platforms seem like they need to do the, the opposite. So how much of what they're introducing is to stop or not stop, but to transition away from brand advertising dollars so they can make more money elsewhere? I mean, it's the next dragon to slay for them, basically. I mean, you're going you're gonna to hit a cap in terms of how much you can grow. And I think it's every company faces this, What? where's your next 10%, 20% of growth or whatever. There, you know, there's only so many big advertisers to knock on doors with finite budgets that aren't going to only be spent on your platform. And I think part of it is the proliferation of other scaled social platforms. I mean, Meta has competition from a number of different corners today that they didn't have five years ago. So they're all looking for new revenue streams as everyone is. I, so I think it's just, it's an and. I don't think it's moving away from advertising, but it helps diversify them and gives them another stream. And you know, to our initial topic of social commerce is more commerce moves to these platforms and it, it's it's natural. They're seeing the influence of the content on their platforms drive sales. So they want a piece of that action essentially. The, the interesting move with an affiliate though could be more from the retailer side. I think what Walmart's done to really open up that ecosystem is pretty unique where it's, you know, the Amazons of the world, you have thresholds, you have to apply, you know, to Drew's point, it's not really making a whole lot of sense for most creators, but if you can open it up and just have it be a tack on to all the content you're creating, 
maybe you're not driving millions of dollars of sales for one of my products, but over the course of all the things you talk about, if you can tag all the stuff in your background or that you're playing with on a day-to-day basis, those five and $10 could add up. So I think that's an interesting kind of democratization of affiliate um, by way of the retailer, because they don't, you know, they're thinking macro baskets, not one brand. Yep. It seems like this next year, a important thing for marketers is just a commerce enabled mindset from a logistics and a setup perspective. Every every content should be able to be shopped if you, if the consumer so chooses to do that. And so brands need to make sure they have it enabled. And again, it goes back to even the recent news of the last month. Snap, I think it was this week, announced monetization on AR filters. Meta in November when they had their creator week, it was gifts, it was fan donations, it was subscriptions. So a lot of this is becoming how do you how do you monetize creators and help them so they come to the platform? All right, we've kind of touched on this, but let's move on. It's still within a commerce theme, but holiday behaviors and live stream shopping. So YouTube and Pinterest had a huge live streaming event for weeks that started during Thanksgiving and went into December. Um, which is interesting because Meta had shuttered some of its live streaming yep. and we're seeing this consistently. Some are doubling down, some are moving back. Um, but there was a study by Simplicity DX that said 80% of Gen Z shoppers are going to use commerce this holiday season. And then we saw TikTok announcing partnerships with Talk Shop Live. Walmart has a Talk Shop Live integration. There's a lot going on in this live streaming. Are you, Drew, are you buying into live streaming? Do you think it's a valuable thing to invest in? Um, and how do you, the holidays is an expensive period. So we should also talk about is influencer an interesting way to get around some of the, the high media fees during this season. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what I said earlier, I think whether it's, it's on the brand side or it's on the platform side is testing things out. I think is a smart move. I, I, you know, your, your stat earlier, 80% uh, was a Gen Z, um, mm-hmm. says they're going to buy, um, Okay, I, I'm not sure I fully believe that. I, I think again, they're gonna get most people are gonna get inspired. And that's the key. To me, is you know, on the brand side, I would be trying to inspire people to go to check out my brand. And frankly, I don't really care where they buy it. In fact, I you know, most brands would probably rather you buy it from their site versus through a platform, because then they're getting a better uh a better revenue share. But, you know, I just, I think things like live streaming are great and it, it depends on the brand, right? It's going to depend on where you want to be and who your target is and what are they doing in their lives. And if I think doing things that are live streaming is certainly worth a shot, is it, is it going to really make a difference from a shopping perspective? I don't see that at this point. Yeah. What brands need to remember too, is those live streams, the video content itself is reusable beyond the stream. And that should be used on their PDP pages. It should be used on their own sites. It's an asset that can work for you hard. I don't think the viewership and the conversion in a live stream is a place today where you're going to see massive ROI from an investment, but to your point, it's worth testing. Do you see Drew, if you've, and you've done so much influencer over the years, do you see holidays as a period where you want to double down with influencers and creators because of media spikes? Are you seeing rate spikes with influencers during that period anyway? Well, what I definitely found out this year, and it was it was bad last year as well, was um, creators that we wanted to work with were booked up like in July for the holiday season. So it's gone, it's earlier and earlier to get exactly who you want. And 
I think it's just being willing to, you know, not not settle, but like not get exactly who you want to work with from a creator standpoint, but somebody that's that could move the needle, whether it's, you know, micro or macro um, creators to work with. I, you know, I just it's it's a uh, the holiday season really challenging. It obviously depends on your brand. A lot of the companies that I've worked for are food based. So we do, again, inspirational content, trying to get them to 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 try something out. You know, we do an, an Instagram live with a recipe. And Keith, to your point, you know, the live, while nice, it's not going to have a million people watching live. But if it's a great recipe and it's done in a uh, fun and engaging way, you then have it on your site. You could put it up on Amazon. You can put it in lots of places. That's great content that people will seek out when they're actually looking for a recipe. So, you know, I think the idea of whether it's Instagram live or any of the other live is worth doing, but then it's, to me, it's what do you do with that content after and how do you use that? Because we're all creating content um, from a brand side constantly. And I think we don't do a very good job of making sure that it's used in all different kinds of ways. You know, are you talking to your sales team and giving them videos that they can then use in a pitch, for instance? Uh, you know, what are the different ways that you can leverage that content in a newsletter that goes out, um, obviously on social channels and getting and get your own social channels, but also getting influencers to create similar content. But then that that influencer content, where are you using that? You know, don't just repost it on your social channels. Where else can that live? That's creating this surround sound for people around the holiday. So, you know, I've worked at a lot of C on CPG brands. Holidays is critically important for a lot of brands, but it's not necessarily the end all be all for a lot of the brands that I've worked on. There's other moments in time throughout the year that are just as important. Yep. Matt, any thoughts on the, the live streaming discussion and the, and the holiday purchasing behaviors? For live streaming, you guys said it well. I you took the words out of my mouth. I think you have to look at it beyond that moment. It's it's not big enough on its own uh, for most brands. It, it might be for some, but for at least the brands I'm I work in CPG, so I'd have to sell an awful lot of Avino in a one hour period to make that make sense. But it's content to both of your guys's points. Um, how do we use that on our websites or PDPs? How do we cut that down into branded paid assets, you know, whatever that I think that's how you make it make sense. Uh, we've seen the adoption of, you know, more and more people tuning into these things. So I, I think there's, there's some legs to it for sure. The key though, at least, you know, from my perspective is it, it has a lot of utility for consumers. It lends itself to more complex products, new products things that you, consumers can benefit from a how-to demonstration. And there's a lot of benefit there. Um, you know, if someone's learning how to use a power tool or install a toilet, I'm all in. Like, I, I need to know how to do those things. If it's, you know, shampoo, things that I work in, I, I know how to use shampoo. So maybe that's less relevant. Um, so I think that's where you think and get away from just QVC essentially, because that, that gets boring real fast for consumers. Um, the behaviors part, holiday behaviors, the, I, I'll be curious to see what really pulls through, uh, to Drew's point, if it's actually 80% of people transacting through social, I I'm skeptical of that number two, uh, the inspiration's absolutely there. The, the data point I saw, I think this came from research Deloitte fielded, um, if I'm not mistaken, was the adoption of 
new technologies around e-commerce. I think that's a really interesting uh, aspect of social commerce. So more people being willing used to think use things like virtual try-on or different checkout methodologies and things that live streaming was part of that research. So they're tapping into more of those tools and technologies. That's what will help to drive some of that traction is, you know, they get used to it. They like it. The experience is good. They get comfortable. And now it becomes a habit. Holidays lend itself to that type of experimentation for consumers because they're in a shopping mindset more naturally. They could be looking for gift inspiration. So it is a good bellwether time of year to see like what's happening in kind of the retail space. Um, so I expect to see it growing, but by how much will be the question. Yeah. When the one key thing, question, I think, oh, go ahead, Joe. I'll just add one, one other thing on, on the live streaming side is I think it's also a great way to almost reward your very loyal fans of your brand or your product. Because they get a chance, depending on you know what your what the content is that you're creating in that live stream, but if you have, whether it's say it's a celebrity or it's your spokesperson, it gives those those people that decided to to show up in that moment a chance to actually feel like they're they're talking with the brand or this celebrity, whatever it might be, and I think that while it's not again, it's probably not a million people, it might be even just a few hundred. Um, I think that's really valuable because those people will then kind of go out to their friends and family and talk about that experience they just had. And I think that's that's really valuable besides then taking that content and using it in other places. I think you hit the nail exactly on the head. The, the question is why live? Can this video be done without a live setting? And a lot of it is, this isn't that different than Peloton. Why do you join a live Peloton class versus watching the recording after? It's for the engagement in real time. And so making sure that that engagement is worth it. And to your point, the people who showed up, which takes takes a level of commitment and loyalty, how are you rewarding them in a different way than potentially the person who's going to watch it not live? So I think it's a really good point. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what the numbers are coming out of the holiday season because of how much money is being put into this. All right. I, I want to move to content utility because you talked about it, Drew. I have CTV. It feels like every other commercial is a, a UGC or a creator-based commercial. Uh, it, I'm, I'm talking to Forbes right now. We're doing an article on this idea of influencer 2.0. It felt like 1.0 were kind of coming to the end, which was influencers creating content, posting on their wall, and the emergence of using that in social media from a buying perspective, 2.0 is going to be the the extension of that everywhere. You know, I, I've executed programs with brands where we take the content, put it on digital out of home. We do a lot of PDP page placements. We do in-stores print stuff for some retailers. So the idea of utility is a really interesting one. Um, I'm curious, Matt, because I know you're close to the retail media side, and I'm so interested in the emergence of retail media. Is this a big threat? to social platforms and creator content? Or is, is that going to be part of the whole retail media landscape now moving forward? I mean, it's all part of it. I mean, retail media, I, I believe will be an archaic term very shortly. Outside of the unique inventory that you can buy on a retailer's website, the search, the display there, that's inherently more conversion focused and honestly, more analogous to distribution than media, if we're being honest, it's really placement on their website. It's just media. At the end of the day, that's what's going to happen is they want to grow their businesses. They're going to open up the data gates to allow for that because that's how you grow. There's only so much inventory they're going to buy through trade dollars and get funded through trade dollars. It's 
brand dollars. That's the prize for them. So it's an and. and I don't think it's a threat. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a growing ecosystem um, in retail, and you know how that content gets created. That's that's a challenge that as a brand, we face very, very real challenges with creating more and more content across more and more channels and creators are a great way to, to distribute some of that production. They're, you know, often very talented and more and more you're looking to people for their production skills as much as their audiences. And now sometimes exclusively for their production skills, and I don't care what their audience is. So we'll get into the, you know, segmentation of creator later, maybe, but um, I see that as an enabler of that ecosystem to really help create that, especially those kind of like review and how-to content totally lends itself to the retailer environment. Yeah. Well, the retailers have made gains in their media ecosystems. It wasn't that long ago where most shopper marketers felt like this was a cost to doing business more than an actual good investment. It was, if yeah. I want a good relationship with the retailer who sells all my product, I'm going to give them this money because they're asking for it. And now it's starting to become, this is a decent investment. I'm pretty excited about the new content formats because a few years ago, retail media buys were product yeah. sponsored posts. To, to rank higher. Now you're seeing the fireworks of the world doing partnerships with Walmart and Albertsons mm -hmm. to place Instagram and TikTok style content on these sites. You're seeing Amazon introduce new video ad formats where you could take that content and place it. So I think if anything, this is now becoming a new outlet where the, the influencer and creator content works even harder. Drew, what are your thoughts? If you had a dollar, are you more inclined as the brand to place it on a shopping platform or do you still think social is where the most efficiency and effectiveness is coming when you when you deal with this influencer creator content uh you know i it's an interesting question i think on the retail side there's a little bit of a kind of a, a wink there of we're going to get treated better if we're spending some money on your site right i i i think a lot of times you know on the cpg side those salespeople are having those conversations that, you know, um, and this is this is a, a new way to kind of get that end cap display, if you will. Um, and so I think there's I personally think on being on the social side is the way to go if if I only had one dollar. Um, but I think there, if you do it right, working with the retail side, you might get better bang for your dollar because of the relationship that that evokes yep and and like i said it's one of those where if they can introduce these new video formats and you could kind of do both and then if the if the retail media dollars have to be spent at least they're working harder and you're doing creator stuff and you're doing influencer stuff which is what you wanted to have done anyway what about to your point drew of what you were saying content utility in general youtube made the announcement last month that they were now uh broadcasting shorts onto your tv which I think makes total sense. It's now instead of the personal viewing experience, you're viewing it. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos outside of shorts on the television because you want to make it a family thing. Um, so how are you thinking about the content utility? And are you able to do that? Do you have to think about usage rights with influencers and internal uses and all that stuff? You do have to think through those things, but hopefully you're building smart relationships with content creators that are allowing YouTube distribute that in different places. And maybe that means you're paying a little bit higher um, fee for that relationship, or you're actually building an, an actual relationship over time instead of a one-off, which I think is just a smart thing to do in general, both online and offline. 
is long longer term relationships are good for everybody. And so that's just like thing I'd love just to say to any brands that are out there watching little little like side sidecar here but building relationships we can't think of content creators and influencers as these one-offs that we just kind of do something with them today and we never speak to them again put that into real life you, you know if that were to happen and you'd ask a favor from somebody and they do it for you and you never speak to them again how do you how does that make you feel i think it's the same thing with with influencers influencers are people too you know they can they have feelings um most of them um and uh you know so i, I think it's 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 really key to keep those relationships going yep yeah and, and people forget that that on their side this is their job and so sometimes all these barter agreements brands want to have or these affiliate agreements those don't pay the bills and this is what they do for a living, especially creators. So Matt, you mentioned creators versus influencers. I feel like we've somewhat used them interchangeably. Um, I want to bring it into the topic, which is a broader topic of is social changing? There was an interesting social media today post. It said that social is becoming less about connecting with people and being social and more about entertainment. And a lot of that is driven by the TikTok and the Reels experience where the algorithm's telling you what to watch, not your, your friends and connections. So do you buy that social media is... The fabric of it is changing and then how much does that change creators and that conversation versus influencers yeah i think it is i think you can see the effect of that with the rise of things like be real because it's sort of a a sharp return to your own social net true social network of these are the people i know doing stuff that i maybe care about or maybe don't but a huge swing to that and it's you know i don't know if user or not pretty low utility app but it's kind of fun and it's all people i know and I, I i do it daily and it's kind of a fun thing because the instagram and tiktok experiences are basically media at this point i mean you see less and less of what you know and that's not all bad though i mean there's great content on there i mean i i am entertained i am you know, I enjoy when I scroll through there and watch different videos, you see feeds from, you know, teams or sports leagues that you follow or musicians. It's a good experience, but it's definitely not social media. So I think it has changed. What'll be interesting going forward, though, is if the smaller platforms that are maybe less in the media space, so not TikTok or Meta, specifically Instagram, do they kind of find a return to who they are to compete? Because you're not going to compete on a media front if you're Snap or Pinterest or any of these other platforms, I don't think. I think that's a losing proposition. I think you have to find a way to differentiate differentiate yourself. And it might be commerce. It might be news. It might be whatever. But that utility has to be there. And there's only so many media channels people are going to tune into. What do you, for those listening who, who are constantly hearing the influencer versus creator discussion, how are you defining that for, for your internal teams and, and other people? Yeah, I mean, I would actually split it into three. I think the the uh, the marketplace is really trifurcated. It's not bifurcated, but three different separate segments. You have your entertainers, like your Mr. Beast and people like that who are creating content. And we know younger demographics, Gen Z and millennials are now consuming as much or more content from creators versus traditional studios. So time spent in an entertainment sort of media perspective 
is moving dramatically towards these creators who are creating that longer form content or truly entertainment. There's that, which I think is more analogous to entertainment properties or publishers. Then you have the more of the commerce uh, focused review type creative where people are talking about products, promoting things. That is a whole other segment that is not entertainment, but important people we know more people are looking to influencers for product recommendations than anywhere else. They're looking at influencer content more than brand.com for product information at this point. So it's legitimate. It's real. It's important. It's influential. And then I think you have UGC creators where I am tapping into people who are talented and that's more of a direct threat to traditional creative agencies or production houses where we have talented people with a phone or a camera that make great content. And I need more and more of it as a brand it is cheaper for me to work with someone like that than, you know, a traditional agency in most cases, especially for more of that tactical low touch sort of content. And I think those are kind of your three segments. Um, and more and more we're, we're talking about creators because the influence you get organically is less and less. And, you know, 99% of the time I'm putting paid media behind it anyhow. So I I'm not really looking for just purely the, organic audience and their influence. I need them to be influential, but more than that, I need them to create great content. And I think yep. what's what's key about that is 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 your is your goal and you know what's your strategy to get there because there are times when uh, a brand it makes sense to work with a celebrity if if it's around uh, awareness. But if you really want to convert, I often think having somebody that may not have a lot of followers but it is the right person to help tell your story. And then you put some dollars behind it so other people see it besides the people that are following that that person. But then you use it on your website, you use it on retailer websites. Again, going back to making sure when you are creating that content or working with somebody that's creating that content, that you're getting it out in multiple places so that people see it in the right places. But I think you know that's really key. I think you know the idea of influencers you know, it's kind of has a, a little bit of a negative connotation, but these are people that are, as you said, Matt, influential. And mm -hmm. if they are trusted and authentic, and this is their, you know, business that, you know, you're a screwdriver company and you find a person that, that builds things, you're going to believe that person, right? Much more so as if that screwdriver comp company hired Lizzo, you know, right? Like that might get that big splashy, um, right. you know, um, moment, but but you want somebody that is actually authentic in what they're trying to do. And I always think that's key. I've also, most of the brands I've worked for don't have the budgets to work with a Lizzo. So I don't get those opportunities very often. Yeah, we always say a creator is, is making their living off of their ability to create content and an influencer is making their living off of their ability to influence. And even beyond the organic, if you work with a healthcare professional or a parent or whoever it is who, who is an influential voice on the topic, whether it's their their feed or your feed or paid media, they're influencing, but they might not create the best looking content, the most repurposable content, but they are influencing communities. Whereas a lot of the creators, you're doing it for the content. You, you find a lot of value in the content. Right. And to your point, Matt, there's a lot of savings in content potentially by going this route moving forward versus massive production means, which is how we all used to do it. Mm -hmm. So I want to uh, let's let's move kind of to the end of this, which is more the macroeconomics, because there is a reality of of the economy is not in a great place. 
marketing budgets are typically pretty quick to be slashed and the first to be slashed. And so a lot of the expectations for next year are being revised by a lot of the companies. Uh, but if you look at influencer marketing and, and the broader creator economy, again, we said 5 billion this year, it's expected to rise another billion next year. But just to put that in perspective, the entire digital advertising spend is close to 250 billion. So it's two and a half percent of the entire digital spend. So even if digital goes down or doesn't grow as much as we thought, um, is this part of the ecosystem somewhat recession proof? And are we going to see something like COVID where the, the whole macro of marketing might suffer a bit next year, but the creator pie is going to get bigger within that and grow? Uh, Matt, what's your thought on all that? I, I don't know about recession proof, but I think it's going to be more resilient because what creators offer is what I think is height, has heightened importance in times of economic uncertainty, and that's recommendations and confidence. You know, people are looking to creators for to find the right products for them. They're looking for inspiration and to a large extent, inspiration's recession proof. So when you can, you know, find that, the right that needs content, to go on, that needs to go on a t-shirt. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I but I think that's it. Like you're looking for the right choices. So when someone has finite dollars and more brand choices than ever in human history in most categories, you you're looking to make the right decision to say to use those finite shrinking dollars in your pocket you're gonna you're gonna turn to more content i would i would expand it to the content ecosystem so i think brand content plus creator uh that brand experience is gonna have heightened importance next year so you know pure awareness marketing on its own i think that's at risk i think that's a risky proposition as a brand you have to be able to meet consumers where they are on all those other touch points so that's a that's a delicate balance uh, for a brand. If you have a tightening budget, you can't be everywhere. You can't say everything, but make sure we're in the most meaningful moments where people are making their decisions. And increasingly, it's influencer content on social media. I I can't agree more. I mean, if my budgets were getting cut, the first place I would make sure that the budgets at least stay the same. But I would argue it should increase would be working with content creators and influencers. And then I don't want to, you know, keep saying this, but then making sure your content lives in as many places as possible so that that content becomes more valuable. The, basically, the, the cheaper the content gets, the more places you use it. Yep. So then what about the pressures on then going lower funnel? We talked at the top of this about commerce and how you might you might make the inspiration and the choice on TikTok, but then you're buying on Amazon. So if it's going to be lower funnel pressurized next year for most marketers, and it's hard to prove that the creator was the point of, of purchase because you're doing last attribution or whatever you're doing, how are you both thinking about how to prove the value next year as it becomes more lower funnel? Great question. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, it's, a lot there's better and less better options for measurement. Like things are easier and more difficult to measure. That's just the reality of the business we're in. I think it has to start from sound brand strategy. You can't just have random acts of digital where you're like, I'm going to do creators. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Have a cohesive strategy. I think where you can make it connect across touch points helps you make the case that this is part of one activation, one brand strategy where I'm going to have my content created and maybe live in social with creators, but then leverage it in a retail environment or on a dot-com environment, 
helps you look at this as one thing versus these disparate actions. So I think that's a big part of it. But there's also a reality of what we do is some combination of math and magic. Like there, some of it's going to be more performance, hard data-based. Some of it takes a little bit longer and it's more equity-based. Both of those things are important though, which is a little bit heresy for me to say as like the digital guy, but like upper funnel awareness and equity absolutely matters. If you don't like a brand, you're not going to buy it. So you have to maintain that relevance with consumers. And if they're not aware of you, I mean, you're not in, you're not on the, on the map. Yeah. When COVID hit, I think we saw recessionary pressures that were actually at risk for brands that stopped marketing because consumers oh, were yeah. adept to try new products and go private label. And so every, every downturn in the market, I think has proven with data that if you go quiet, it, it's a, it's a risk to your own brand. Um, anything, anything as we, as we wrap that you're excited about or interested in seeing in the coming months. I know on my side, um, definitely excited, although this almost seems odd at, at odds with the economic environment, to see these social platforms get a little bit more to their core and what makes them unique. I think there was a lot of sloppy spending and and non-wise growth mindsets for these companies where they started to get into things that they had no business getting into. So I'm actually excited to see it contract a little bit and focus on the core. And I think we're seeing that already with some of the announcements recently, but more differentiation in these platforms versus copycat features. But any any general comments on on things you're looking forward to or hoping to see in the coming months? I'll throw one thing out that is kind of um, probably seems a little out of left field, but um, I uh, I tried something on. We don't really talk about this as a big social platform, but Nextdoor. And I don't know if you guys spend any time on Nextdoor. <laughs> But a lot of people have dropped off of it because everything was so negative. And um, I was talking to some people and I just decided for fun to for about a month or so to post on it all the time about positive things to see um, to see how that felt. And I got to say, tr you need to try it. And I, this is this is kind of my moment out and and being on a soapbox. But. I think we just need more positivity, whether it's from brands um, uh, and I, it's the holiday season. So if brands can talk about the the um, the causes that they care about or the charities they support or the volunteer work that their employees are doing, putting some positivity out in the world, we desperately need it right now. And we will desperately need it in January as well and in February and March and so on. So it's just, it'll make you working for that brand feel good it should hopefully make your audience feel good as well and you also might get some sales out of it so that is that's my my thing i'm trying to put out in the world is i did this on next door for about a month and a half and the comments of people saying like i love your positivity i love that you and like if you knew me as a as a person day to day i'm not always known as the most positive person in the world um, but I tried this out and it worked and it felt good. And I'm trying to think of ways that brands should be trying to do the same thing. Cause I have a feeling that could work as well. Cool. I was going to talk about like data and this guy's talking about like positive force of nature here. I'm like, I can't follow that. So thanks for that. Uh, now I, that's an awesome one. I love that. And I think you're seeing some of the, uh, social currents move in that direction as people get exhausted with negativity or just the churn of day to day and it's you know if, have we learned nothing from the last two years of what matters in our lives and what doesn't 
Um, so I love that one. I think that's a great, uh, I hope, I hope we see more of that. I'll, I'll build slightly on that. I think when you think about the year ahead and as we were just talking about potential, you know, recessionary pressures, I think it forces a return to some discipline for brands and really thinking about the value they create for consumers. Cause you have to more effectively communicate those benefits to win their sales every day. Um, so I, I hope to see more of that and brands activating with purpose in a way that's helpful, creates utility for consumers. That's a good thing for everyone. It's a good thing for the brand and it's a really good thing for consumers. So I think, I think you will hopefully see more of that. And I look forward to a more positive 2023. I love this. A little bit of diligence, a little bit of positivity. Um, and educate yourself. You know, we there's some amazing writers and publications covering our space. I know I posted something the other day calling out a few. Uh, the Information, Kai Urif does an amazing job, Eric Willis at Adage, Amanda Pirelli at, at Insider, but there's many more. Educate yourself on what's going on. There's amazing people covering this space. Keep sharing, keep talking. The more we, we educate ourselves as a community, the better. There's amazing events that you can attend. There's media post events on these topics. There's a fantastic Creator Economy Live in January. I know we talked about this in Las Vegas. Um, I'll be speaking, I know a lot of people will be speaking in our industry there, so, so check it out. Um, actually, let's, in, in the giving mood, if you wanna ping us or actually, how about the All Things Influence LinkedIn, maybe we'll give away a few, a few tickets to that show uh, for people kind of submitting into that. But education's really critical these type of things. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining this discussion. This is just one episode of many. Um, so from the grill master, Drew McGowan, Mr. Hot Takes, Matt Fantasia, I'm Keith Bendis. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time.